This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Good evening. My name is Emily Zinn, and I'm the Associate Director of the Carsey Wolf Center, which sponsors the programming at the Pollock Theater, and I am here substituting for Rachel King, who couldn't be with us here tonight. Um, and... Um, Joining me this evening are Adi Barkin and Liz Jaff, who are the co-founders of the Be a Hero Pack, and Nick Brookman, who is the director of Uncovered Healthcare Conversations with Adi Barkin. So thank you very much for being here with us this evening, all three of you. Very quick note on what we're going to do this evening. We'll spend about a half hour up here having a conversation among the four of us, and then we'll have time to take some questions from the audience. So if you have questions for the three of them, there'll be some time for that. And then we'll have a few minutes afterwards. Um, if you have purchased a copy of Adi's book, Eyes to the Wind, uh, you can bring it up to the stage to have it stamped with Adi's signature. Or if you haven't yet purchased your copy, they are available for sale in the lobby right now, courtesy of Chaucer's Books. So that's what we're going to do. So um, turning to the three of you for our first question, um, I'm interested in knowing about how this series came together. What was the inspiration for it? And how did you get the political candidates mm -hmm. to talk to you? Yeah, so um, this was, um, so my name's Liz. Uh, you saw a small brief of me in the documentary. Uh, it's still very uncomfortable to watch it, so. You look I, great, though. I'm actually very nervous about the documentary <laughs> because they were filming the whole time. Um, but she looks amazing, yeah, in, no, right? Thank she you. looks That's like a powerful advocate. Thank you so much, advocate. yeah. Yes. I think the, the full swearing is going to be interesting for my mother, but well, Adi swears a lot more in the documentary than I do, and I just... <laughs> want to put that out there. Um, so, you know, uh, Adi and I met on the plane uh, filming Jeff Flake, and that kind of turned into, instead of a viral video, a crazy movement because it's Adi. And we have an incredible team, the Be a Hero team, some of who are here tonight um, and have really done an incredible job, others who couldn't be here. And um, we had just finished our tour across 22 states. We had run some of the top performing ads in the country for the 2018 elections. Um, they actually ended up performing top 1% in persuasion and mobilization. Um, and every single one of the districts we ended up placing in, we won. And it was Adi talking about healthcare. And we, um, we were supposed to be taking a bit of a break, which is not existent when it comes to Adi. And we heard that the Medicare for All hearing was going to happen. It was the first ever Medicare for All hearing. And um, when we looked at the list of witnesses... It, it, it just wasn't real. Mm -hmm. And with the amazing help of uh, the nurses union right here, we were able to get Adi as one of the key witnesses. Part of that was asking, and part of that was saying, we're just going to do it. <laughs> we literally said, we hope you'll invite us, but if you don't, he's showing up anyway. It's <laughs> literally what just happened. So. And that's actually verbatim. It was in a text exchange um, with the leader, and she was great. And um, Adi flew across the country for it, which was an incredible risk to his health. Mm -hmm. Every one of our discussions has been, this could kill you. 
and he testified, and it was, um, it was, it was absolutely lightning. I mean, people weren't really going to check in. They thought it was going to be a wash. They were hoping to do it as something that was negative. And I mean, mm-hmm. there were millions of viewers. Um, I obviously can't remember his name now, but that British guy who does the really, really late night show and does karaoke as well. James Corden. That's James it, James Corden. Corden um, talked about it on his show because he ended up watching Adi's amazing testimony. And um, two days after that, um, we said, what if we got all the presidential candidates to come to your house in Santa Barbara and we would just talk to them about health care and you could basically have the same testimony? Um, and it was, it was really, it was a joke. Um, and then we did. <laughs> and part of it was putting together a proposal with this incredible team. Part of it was taking it to an incredible organization to talk about it. And the other part of it I was... I didn't think it would work. No, <laughs> thank you for saying that. He really didn't think it would work and was talking about doing something else, which we won't talk about. And I'm really glad it did work, because it really did work. Uh, he didn't think any of the presidential candidates would come. Um, but the other reason that this ended up becoming a reality, apart from, you know, you have to talk to the members, the, the presidential candidates, and they're all very nice, but if you're not doing a forum, no one has it a situation where they've had the top candidates come to their house. Right. Um, and a lot of it is, it's, it's, it's like a game of, it's like Lost or Survivor. <laughs> if one goes, the next will follow. <laughs> and so like it's, 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 we played it, it was a lot like, um, you know, got to catch them all. <laughs> and you just, you're, you're throwing everything at the, at the wall. But one of the other reasons we were able to do it was because of our media partners. Because I don't know if you know this from political background, but you can't really put money behind these videos. They all have to be organic. And we've mm-hmm. had over 27 million views. And the reason is because of our partner, Now This, um, who were able to air it. In fact, uh, Nico Pitney's here and was our great partner. So thank you, Nico, because you need, it, it wouldn't have happened. Um, and so basically, we reached out to each of the candidates. We said, we'd love you to sit down with Adi. They're like, oh, that's so nice. We'll let you know. Mm. And then you reach out the next day, you reach out the next day. And of course, Senator Warren. Uh, Senator Sanders, you know, we're like, okay, we're interested in doing this. Let's work our schedule. And Cory Booker was the first one who said, I'm coming. And it was really interesting because people were like, Cory Booker said yes? Because, you know, he's, he's not really the most, he's not seen as the Medicare for all person. Right. And at that point, we couldn't fake it and pretend that Adi was going to have some sort of neutral position. Um, so we said, yeah, you're, you're going to be arguing with a, with a man with an incredibly high profile. You're going to be looking into the eyes of a father who's dying, and you're going to tell him why you're not giving health care to America. It's not really an ideal situation for the candidate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you didn't pull any punches. He, Cory no, Booker we went, knew we what went, he was walking we went, into. We went full in. He didn't pull any punches. As soon as Cory Booker said he was doing it, um, we had Senator Warren, we had Senator Sanders, Kamala Harris, uh, Julian Castro. Beto O'Rourke was scheduled to come sit down with us, but unfortunately El Paso happened literally the day before, so we were rescheduling. And then couldn't make it in time, and the trach happened. Uh, Klobuchar said yes. Andrew Yang asked to schedule. We said that's fantastic. The only candidate who refused to get back to us was Joe Biden. And you've clearly called him out in this, <laughs> in this video. He's yeah. on notice about that. But, but that's sort of the long way for saying this was, this was a very short-term idea, but came back from the fact that Adi traveled the country talking to members of Congress. Mm-hmm. So why not have the people who are vying for the most powerful position in the land come and talk to somebody who represents millions and explain what is going to be the, most, the biggest, single biggest issue for the 2020 election, which is health care. 
Excellent. And I'll come and have that same conversation with him. Yeah. So, Nick, can you tell us a little bit about the process of producing this show? Yeah, what absolutely. were the unique challenges sure. of um, both production and post-production for a project like this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first I'll say that, you know, what excites me so much about Adi and about Be a Hero as a movement, as a, as a filmmaker, the reason I've become so involved and have been working with Adi and Liz for the past two years on Uncovered and a variety of projects is because the stories are always about Adi, but really it's about storytelling. All of the Uncovered series is about the power of personal stories to shape policy and shape discourse. Adi's story leading the charge, but empowering and enabling all these smaller stories um, that we see, um, people's stories along the way that we shared in the videos. And as a filmmaker, that's really exciting because I think that's what all filmmakers are trying to do is use storytelling to shape public discourse and narrative. And so when this opportunity came across to put Adi's story front and center in front of the candidates, I think that's what we're all trying to do um, you know, as storytellers. And so I think the key challenge was that, was to try to make these not just you know, Barbara Walters interviews right. that you see, um, that everybody's seen with these candidates, where they're guarded, where they're on their talking points, mm-hmm. and also to make each of these films and to actually have a story and an arc to them. And of course, to do that, we leaned into Adi's expertise in getting them to open up and getting them to tell personal stories. Right. But also we did things like always keeping the cameras rolling so that all of the moments off camera and the makeup and the entrances and the parts where they were off guard and Carl running in and everything, those were the moments that we used to breathe life into it and to make it not feel like a sort of stilted interview. The whole thing was to get away from the way you perceive these guys in general. That said, the real challenges were these candidates are coming in 36 hours to Adi's <laughs> house. We need the full crew. We needed to edit right it in now. three days. You know, collecting the um, footage from the candidates of their, old, of their childhood photos, which are right. actually not publicly available. In a lot yeah. of these cases, we really had to go to their families to help collect these things because it's not images that they're normally used to sharing. Um, so, of course, it was the logistical stuff, but it was really the storytelling stuff. And I hope we succeeded in really crafting narratives out of Adi's interaction with these, not just interviews. Right, that each of those were an individual story about that candidate's life and about their personal interactions with the healthcare system. Exactly. So I thought that that was what really made this a beautiful um, narrative and putting these stories together. Um, so Liz, can you talk a little bit more about the preparation that goes into these yeah. um, episodes because they look so... Um, Spontaneous, and I'm guessing they're not <laughs> quite as spontaneous as all that. I, I mean, it's it would take um, about two and a half weeks to prep for an episode, and to give you an idea, we had three candidates in one week, and an eight-hour ABC Nightline interview one week, and so wow, um, we put a month of prep into that. And so, for mm-hmm. example. Adi is Adi with his fire and his passion, and I've worked with him since we met on the plane. And if we had been doing these interviews when I met Adi on the plane, I think they would have been even more intense, right? Because Adi wouldn't have let the candidates hold off for a second. Um, But obviously, he lost his voice. He's an incredible debater. And so your question is, how do I give this incredible, powerful man the most agency you possibly can have? It's his voice. It's his moment. How do I push back on candidates? Mm -hmm. And so this was, a lot of it was policy work that was done by both the teams, a lot of incredible help from the nurses Mm -hmm. of their their healthcare history, 
Adi would then review it with the team and say, here are the pieces I, I care about. Everything is with iGaze technology at this point. Then we would take out the questions that he cared about. He would say, here are the questions I'm looking to ask, very short, on a Google Doc. Mm-hmm. We would then flesh those out with the team. It would then come back to Adi for a review. He would then spend two to three days editing because, I mean, this is every single word is with your eye. You have to understand it's not, you know, I've worked with a lot of candidates and you give them a script and you say, hey, here are the suggested questions. Go for it. You, you can't do that because if a candidate opens up or lies or misleads you, you want to hit them immediately. Right. And that's what Adi does. That's what he did with Jeff Flake, right? When Jeff Flake talked a lot of ridiculous drivel about a bill that he was lying about, this guy was able to push back. So how do you capture that same moment and empower somebody with their agency to do that? So it was completely Adi's script, edited, changed, edited, changed. Mm-hmm. And then we called the candidates and spoke to them on the phone. We prepped them and we said, here's the deal. You're coming in and Adi's going to ask questions and you're going to wait. And if you ask a question back to Adi, you're going to wait for him to respond. And for a politician to have a silent <laughs> space, it, it's, it's like, it's, it is literally like they're kryptonite. Like you, right. can see, you can see them in the background just like freaking out or like looking at their staff. And I'm just like, you will prep your candidate to just keep quiet and sit with that silence because that's what he sits with every day and wait for him to push back on you or do something. And so that was... I'm not very popular with any of the candidates, to be clear, but he got off really well. It was good cop, bad cop. But that was kind of how we built in the script. And to be honest, you know, um, there, were, there were definitely a lot of off-the-script moments. Because I think, the, I think I, and I will say this very honestly, Adi and I have, Adi and I approach things slightly differently in this area. Um, <laughs> Adi is incredible progressive, was also a bird dogger. I learned how to bird dog through Adi. I came from the more kind of like, oh, let's be civil class, where it's like, actually, you can't be civil because it is civility because these are people's lives. Mm-hmm. So if Addy had had his druthers with the script, I think he would have been a lot more aggressive. <laughs> it's pretty aggressive, but is that fair? There was a lot of editing that happened. <laughs> <laughs> so he was still incredibly aggressive in himself, but I was able to write back and be like, oh, do you really want to say that to Cory Booker, the first yeah. question? <laughs> um, or push back on certain things. At the end of the day... It's his call. Right. And so there were moments where different parts of the script would come in or he would push back. But I, I have to say, for Cory Booker, there are a lot of times you would have pushed back on him. Sure as hell for Pete Buttigieg. I, I think, uh, he, you know, you pushed really hard, but, like, man, he could have had an onslaught if we had moved forward on it. <laughs> so preparation for that, I mean, that's how intense it is. And you can't for a second think, oh, there were moments where people wanted to edit just before. You can't do that. Right. Because it's Adi's voice. And so if Adi is picking up and sp- saying it, he needs to be 100% approving of it, or you're, you're, you're going very close to messing with somebody's agency. Right. And that was the most important thing. So, for example, ABC Nightline, they didn't want to give us the questions in advance. Mm. It's tough luck. That's, yeah, what do you want? Work. Because otherwise, you're sitting there, he will respond how he needs to, or you're going to give us some time beforehand. These are his responses. But this is the biggest power that we wanted to keep from these episodes, and I, I really think we did. But seeing the candidates in those moments of space dealing with ALS as a disease and making them so uncomfortable, I think, was one of the most powerful things of these episodes. Yeah, it just seems like you were able to use those constraints as an enabler for having a different kind of conversation by placing the candidates in a different position where they had to think differently. So that's, 
That's brilliant. So, Adi, can you talk a little bit more about what it's been like for you to be on camera and with these political candidates while dealing with the large and small challenges of living with ALS? Well, it has felt surreal and natural at the same time, which applies to the rest of my life over the past three years as well. This disease is so outrageous, so infuriating, so exhausting and debilitating. It makes everything I want to do either impossible or extremely hard. And yet because of this disease, all these presidential candidates are willing to come and talk with me, and a lot more people are listening to what I have to say. So it has been fascinating and uplifting to do this series of interviews. It has given me a sense of purpose. I have loved getting the opportunity to help turn social movement power into political power. By which I mean, I am grateful to be partnering with the nurses and others in the Medicare for All movement on the project of enlisting elected officials to join us. And I loved working with the Be A Hero team and with People's Television. It's been a privilege and a pleasure to work with such amazing people, who are so good at what they do. But the conversations were also very frustrating, because I wanted to be able to engage more directly with each response. Just like I am doing right now, I had to prepare questions and answers ahead of time, and then pick and choose from them, and hope that they came out well. But I couldn't jump in with a quick retort or question. It's frustrating how much slower my keyboard is than my mind, it's hard for me to interject or probe on a particular topic. And then, in the middle of the series, just a couple hours before Mayor Pete arrived, my breathing deteriorated and I had to go to the hospital. And then a week or two later, I had a tracheostomy, which implanted a breathing tube in my windpipe. This allowed me to be hooked up to this ventilator and continue breathing after my diaphragm, which is already weak, becomes paralyzed. And then we shot the final two episodes after I got home and started recovering. So it's been fun and exciting and moving, but also frustrating and exhausting and difficult. That's kind of my life right now. <laughs> yeah, and coming, the, I love the way these particular episodes show us that arc, the fact that you are at this point coming to the end of this series, but the start of other, other projects. That's not stopping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering, Liz, if you can, t- or, well, actually all three of you, if you can talk about the role um, that digital media and video play in grassroots activism and um, in the Be a Hero movement in particular. Um, I mean, we, we have one of the largest social footprints online right now when it comes to um, specifically progressive positions on healthcare mm-hmm. and um, uh, people power. And to be very honest, uh, we wouldn't be here without social media. So what's really interesting is I think Twitter is one of the worst places in the world. <laughs> um, but it is also one of the most incredible things I've ever seen of equalizing voices and giving access to voices. Even though some of those voices are terrible, some of those voices are amazing. Adi's voice is online. Mm-hmm. Adi would not be able to say what he says or have the presence he has without Twitter. Right. And he ended up becoming one of Time's most top 25 most biggest online voices because he's had such a presence. Um, 
And the other thing is, you know, we told some of the most powerful stories I've ever heard that people really weren't paying attention to. You know, Rebecca Wood, uh, Koki and her son, we use Adi's platform to lift up other people's voices. And I think, Mm -hmm. to be very honest, that's the next position of where Be a Hero wants to go is lifting up these heroes' voices. Um, Adi, the hardest thing for Adi is the sicker he gets, the more famous he becomes. Mm -hmm. And the more people pay attention, which was the question you saw in the documentary. I, you would give up all of this for anonymity if you were healthy. And the problem is, because Adi is so sick and because his platform is so big, candidates have to sit down with us. Because mm-hmm. if they don't, all hell will break loose because of the internet. If we did not have social media, we would not have the power to sit down with these candidates. And we would not have the power to equalize for other people to have the opportunity to ask their questions. So we exist online and we need to exist online. And what's been fascinating for me is we are building a following that we wouldn't have expected um, of both Democrats and Republicans because mm. there's a very interesting fact that people want to see candidates as humans, that people have stories they want to share and people want access. And people are tired of, and excuse my language, of, of and Adi cuts through that. If you're looking at Adi and you're trying to spout to him your talking points, you see they break down because they don't have time for that. And so that's what when we saw the debates, we said we need to do this. But the only way we could do it was on social. Like, you can't imagine that engagement happening on a CNN town forum, right? right? Like a town hall. You just wouldn't get the same emotional interaction. And so that's why we exist online. We have all these followers that DM Adi every day sharing their stories, and we share their stories, but we wouldn't exist if we weren't online. And he's able to amplify those stories. I I mean, but that's your voice, and you're you're tweeting all the time with your eye. You can also tell because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on that Twitter that's (laughs) never going to come off. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's, that's the voice. And that's the voice, I think, for a lot of progressives as well, that it's very powerful. Can you talk a little bit more about that unexpected following you're saying you're having? Like who? Oh, is there? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, who, who's following um, your work that you were surprised by? And how, why didn't you expect it to have this reach? Um, I mean, when Adi first connected with Jeff Flake, um, mm-hmm. We had a lot of Republicans reach out to us to say they really appreciated that conversation. And that was very surprising. But honestly, I think that part of that was it was just having a human interaction on the plane. Um, you know, Adi has been with Center for Popular Democracy for a very long time. And I think, I think the concept of bird dogging and the concept of talking to members is something that they really have pushed. And that's been able to be amplified online. And I think that that speaks to both Democrats and Republicans and independents is just people having human-to-human interactions. And Adi, I know that you were going to say something also on social, um, but about the fact that it, it's, just to be clear on this one, when we're online and we're speaking online and we have all this power socially, if we were just online and we weren't knocking on doors, which mm-hmm. I think is an important thing to say, we weren't having human conversations, uh, we will lose. Right. So just want to remind everybody that a retweet is not a door knock. <laughs> As the field organizer side of me wants to say. And one of the reasons that this works is that you are going to see these episodes while people are knocking on doors talking about Medicare for All. You are going to see Adi tweeting and talking and having movies while people are talking to their neighbors about what's going to happen in 2020. So So different essential forms of interaction. If it was just digital, we would be screwed. But we're lucky it's digital. Yeah, we saw this on the Be a Hero tour last year, which you see a lot of footage that's featured and uncovered is from the Be a Hero tour, where you see people um, telling their stories, holding their 
um, holding their signs. And what was so amazing is that Adi and Liz translated this action that he took on the plane of confronting the senator with his health care story. And then they took that on the road and they empowered other people with their health care stories to find their senators using the power of the phone to capture that moment. Because yeah. oftentimes the congressperson wouldn't be there, but that moment where the staffer rejects them or where they can see that their voices aren't answered. And then the next place we'd go, 10 more people would show up. And so we saw in real time what it looked like as a movement was built both online yeah. and in the ground. And that's or the story just a that spiral I spiral outward. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And Adi, did you have something to say about the social media presence? What's that? That's the point I wanted to emphasize. Thanks, Liz. Yeah, I got it you. will take a lot of work to win. And now it's going to be in deep trouble if I just said it was on social, <laughs> right. that it was social media. <laughs> like, went back and looked. It is absolutely on the ground movement, but I do think that digital has empowered people's voices. I mean, Adi has literally lost his voice, but still has one of the strongest voices in the country right now in healthcare because he's able to have that Twitter. Because it's and so amplified. now we're turning that into grassroots and people power. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So Nick, can you tell us a little bit more about your past projects with Adi sure. and the, your ongoing collaboration? Yeah, well, I, I met Adi because of, of Liz. We have a mutual friend together, and I have a film company that does social issue campaigns and progressive uh, videos of all kinds and documentary feature films. And um, when we first met, it was to launch the Be a Hero movement, and Adi, Liz, and I collectively decided that the best way to launch Adi's voice and his movement to the country was not to announce it to the people, but actually to tell Adi's son. And so the first video we made together was called Dear Carl, and it was a letter from Adi um, to Carl, who's now three. And um, the story, it's Adi telling in his own voice to Carl why he's doing the things he's doing, why he's going on the road, why he's going to be gone during this time, why he's going to D.C. to create the kind of world that he wants Carl to grow up in. And that um, was a really powerful collaboration for us to work on. I think it was really my first understanding of how Adi really has deeply put his story on the line to change the world, because it's not just his own story, but he's br brought his family along right. into this movement in a way that's, I think, incredibly open and, and powerful. And um, that uh, launched what became this tour that I went on with the Be a Hero crew with. And in each district that we went to, we release short social issue videos of people confronting their representatives. And as I said before, saw that movement grow together. From there, um, we started making television ads. And we, um, along with the Be a Hero team, made, Liz described them earlier, these TV ads that told Adi's story in 30 seconds um, and had this amazing power and reach and actually flipped and won races. Um, Liz, you can talk yeah. about some of those victories probably more than me. Well, I think what's the most interesting thing about that is if you're in the world of politics and you're in the world of ad making, um, we kind of turned it on its head where normally you know, you'll get a political ad from $25,000 to $60,000 and you're like, who made this ad? And it's very strange. And they put millions of dollars behind it without any understanding. We got our ads out end of August. So everybody had kind of set the TV visor in. Mm -hmm. And we had in a particularly incredible ad in New Jersey 3 against Tom MacArthur. And all of the big vendors had their ads. And so we said, we didn't have any money. So we said, look, take our ad. And they're like, don't be crazy, we're using our own ads. <laughs> like, they didn't understand that someone would give an ad for free. So we went to the House Majority Pack, and we said, run our ads against your $25,000, $60,000 ads. We took 5000 bucks to make, because Nick is amazing. It was very nice to us. <laughs> um, 
and take our ad. Only give that deal to yeah. the <laughs> Special discount. Take our ad, run it against your ad, and if our ad does better, you will run our ads instead of theirs. So just a challenge. You yeah, no, we, 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 we actually just forced our way into the office and made the challenge. This is, once again, <laughs> a true story. There's a theme. Yeah, there's a theme of not waiting for permission or being okay with getting banned. Um, and so we said that, and our ad ended up completely trouncing that ad. Wow. And so they shifted in, and they ran our ad, put a couple of million behind it, and we won that race. And then we ran our ads. We gave our ads to three other entities, and we said, run our ads. If they're better than yours, run them. So it was about 2.7 million put behind our ads. They ran in 100 districts. We didn't make a cent. So it was really bad business <laughs> decision. But our ads won. But you were getting the word out. Well, it's, getting the word Adi's out. voice was the strongest that you could have on healthcare. So right. that was the point. The point was to win. And so now we have our second point, which is to take back the Senate along with the presidency. You're just changing models, it seems like. I mean, we're hoping. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the uh, last thing I would say is that from, from those 30-second ads behind the scenes the entire way, I've been documenting the birth of this movement and the amazing trajectory of Adi and Liz's story. Um, and that's going to manifest in what is hopefully a feature-length documentary film um, that tells the whole Be a Hero story that you guys got to see a first snippet of um, at the end of the Uncovered series in which Liz is going to look amazing and be very excited about um, how she... Uh, is portrayed. So. It really filmed the And when should we expect that film? Uh, in, in 2020, yeah. Hopefully to make a big impact around the election, which I think is top of mind for everybody on this stage and in the audience. Excellent. So, yeah, and many of the amazing people who've participated in the film and Adi's community are here who should also be recognized, like Nate and Ayana and... Tracy, yeah, Julia, yeah. There's a lot of we we have the full beer. We have a lot of the yeah. beer here team here, but we have our core like bus crew <laughs> that were on the tour that we described as the greatest sitcom of the world. <laughs> we're still recovering from it, and then one of our core people left for Elizabeth Warren, so she, you know, uh, we see her sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, Adi, I wonder if you can tell us more about what surprised you about making the series and what impact you really hope that the series will have. Well, in terms of what surprised me, Senator Cory Booker, who was the first interview, was memorable. He is a world-class politician, able to shift gears and registers, able to marshal personal stories and political philosophy in the service of concrete policy arguments. I was more impressed than I expected to be. And I thought Secretary Holian Castro had a really compelling story to tell about his family, and growing up in an organizing household. I'm sorry we couldn't show that tonight, but folks should check it out online. And I shouldn't be surprised by this, but I was impressed by the editing and how smooth the conversations <laughs> appear to flow. I have missed These were hour long discussions with a lot of pauses, but you might not realize while watching. It's always hard to know what to include and what to edit out. In terms what I hope the series accomplishes, I hope it advances the movement for single-payer health care, and I hope it contributes usefully to the democratic primary conversation. When we talk about health care in the national political conversation, it is too often an abstract discussion with facts and figures and dollar amounts. Those aspects of health care policy are obviously important, because we are talking about reforming an enormous chunk of the country's economy, but they too often obscure the actual stakes. At the end of the day, this is a life and death issue, it is about people's lives. 
every one of us in this country has either had some unpleasant run-in with the healthcare system, or knows a friend or family member who has. And I thought that should be the starting point for these discussions with candidates what personally motivates them in the fight for healthcare justice, and what personal experiences inform their view of the status quo. I wanted to make this less abstract, and more human. Ultimately, that is what this movement for healthcare justice is all about. It is about making our society more just and more equitable and more humane. And I think we have reason to be really hopeful. Never before have the American people been so supportive of our agenda. Never before have the leading candidates for president been evangelists for our vision. Never before have we had so much forward momentum, or been so close to victory. There is still tremendous work to be done. Our opponents are still unfathomably wealthy and fiercely resistant to our agenda. And the American political system still has many veto points through which we must pass. But there is in front of us a genuine path to victory. And our movement would not be here but for the credibility and expertise and energetic leadership from the nurses and students and other activists in this room and around the country. I am just honored and privileged to be a part of this movement. So, thank you. When you're finished with the documentary, do you know where you're going to release it? Or is it still kind of up in the air? Well, hopefully we'll be at the Carsey Wolf Center. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, if you'll have us. Um, no, we're still working on the release plan for the film. Um, we're hoping that it'll be on a major streaming platform that everybody um, here has, uh, any of the major ones or a major broadcaster. But I think what's really important to us is um, beyond it having a sort of traditional commercial release and being in theaters and being on uh, Netflix or Hulu or on Amazon is that it has a real grassroots movement behind the mm -hmm. film itself. And so we're still in the process of finishing it. And, um, and, but, I, but even before we've completed the film, we're reaching out to grassroots partners all over the country to talk to them about how the film can be a resource for healthcare activism, for civic engagement in general, for bird dog training, because all of those themes are embedded in the film, even though I think it's hopefully a, a piece of entertainment that people will want to come home and, you know, zonk out and watch after work. It's also really a tool for activists. Don't let your and, children watch it. <laughs> for, and it's PG-13. Um, and so we're hoping to develop um, curricula around the film, activist toolkits, have partners engaged on the ground, and really use it as a, a mobilization um, tool. So anyway, this, uh, there is a website. It's Adi Doc uh, for the film, and um, if you want to follow there, We'll hopefully have news about it um, in the coming year. We um, want to use it to win Medicare for All and take back the White House. My name is Anne Olivia, and I am deeply grateful to be here um, to be witness to the incredible work that's being done and led by you um, in like joining forces with our community. And I just want to pull off of something you said earlier. This is really clearly a movement moment, and I was hearing a call to action because you said that if it were just online and it weren't knocking on doors, yeah. um, that we'd be sunk. Yeah. Um, and so as a member of an engaged community and as a person who talks to people all the time who want to know what they can do to be involved, um, what is your call to action to people right now uh, around the country? Like, is there a specific thing that's being asked of them to do, or how do you encourage them to get involved? So, um, you know, I think Adi has quite a couple of those in the book 
and the organization itself is going to be pushing a lot more on that. As you know, there's it, what's really interesting on the political ramifications are, you know, this is a super PAC. So the super PAC can be completely political and engaging. Then you have C4s and C3s. I think that the biggest mission of our entity, and there's multiple positions, is um, people power and on-the-ground activism. And right now, the strongest message from our, our interviews is, in our minds, Medicare for All is the best option. Um, and so what we want right now, while the primary is happening, is for people to demand to understand what candidates' health care plans are, to push back if they don't have the answers, if they're just giving you talking points, to make sure you vote in the primary, and to understand that it's not enough to have a two-second soundbite. And so that will require whoever your candidate is, right? That's going to be up to you. How do they cover everyone? Because we can't settle for 90%, 93%. And the arguments that, well, we don't know what's politically feasible. I mean, Donald Trump is president. Nothing's politically feasible. So, like, come on. Like, step back. <laughs> like, we can do anything. So instead of doing anything like having that kind of guy in the presidency, let's do anything by having Medicare for all. Mm. So our argument is to go as hard as you can now and don't try and scale back and knock on every single door. Join your groups. Um, you know, there are incredible organizations that are for popular democracy is going to be knocking on doors. NNU is going to be knocking on doors. There are progressive groups across the country. I'm sure people are part of the local indivisible chapters in this room right now. Um, we're going to be telling people to get involved. So one, obviously, everybody has to vote. And California is going to really matter this cycle. So I'm just, you know, I'm saying congratulations. I think I was really pissed about that. Um, I really do. I think that I was really pissed. Because March is a big deal. And that's going to be getting engaged. And then I know Adi's going to be canvassing his heart out, literally. So if he can knock on doors and can text people, which he will be doing nonstop with his eye, then, like, you have absolutely no excuse. And that is the biggest call to action. And do not let them off the hook for health care. Do not. Don't let them tell you that it can't be done because it can. Anything can. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.